What's up, my friends? Jason Jimenez here. So glad to be with you here on Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Today is podcast 137, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 24, where we are going to see Paul not only defending himself in the midst of the conflict with the Jews, but also he gets to share the gospel with a lot of the Roman leaders. So if you have a Bible, jump to Acts chapter 24, and let's dive into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. So today we're going to be looking at Acts 24, where Paul is on trial. Now, if you've missed any previous podcast, you can always go to standstrongministries.org. You can click on podcast and all of my videos and the audio, including my notes, are there for you. And that's important, friends, because here uh, at Stand Strong Ministries, we want people to be grounded in the Word of God, in the sad statistics that uh, we constantly see, at least I do, when I survey them several times throughout the year, is that less than 20%, think about this, less than 20% of Christians read the Bible every day. Now, in that 20%, people that are reading the Bible, they're reading portions of Scripture, maybe it's a verse of the day. So even in that 20%, people are not studying the Scriptures verse by verse. So I want to tell you guys that I know sometimes it could come off boring. People think, well, I don't want to just watch a 30, 45 minute, even an hour long video about somebody talking about the Bible. That doesn't really appeal to me, but I'll sit and watch a three hour football game. And you know what? In my forties now, you know, raising four kids and doing this for, for many years, honestly, yes, I've had those same struggles where I get so more, like I'm more, you know, intrigued with what's on not just the news or, you know, particular show on Netflix or something like that. I've had those things, you know, and I have to wrestle uh, with them just like you have to. But the, but the reality is I love spending time with the Lord. And I hope that this time that we have is not just precious, but that you're growing more in love with Jesus that there's an intimacy that's growing between you and him and you can't get enough. I mean, it. people ask me that sometimes say, do you ever lose it? Yes, there are times where you can lose something. Again, not saying you lose your salvation, but do you lose sometimes that fervor, that passion? But you know what though, as Psalm 19 talks about, that you, you, know, you see God's word, his truth, that is more precious than gold. It's sweeter than honey. Like there's nothing like it. And so now my stage of life and here with you guys on the podcast, I look forward to this time. I really do. I love studying and preparing for this time and God speaking to my heart, talking to my wife and talking to colleagues and talking to other brothers and sisters in Christ and spending time responding to your guys' email questions. By the way, I got several great questions that came in from many of our listeners. So keep them coming, you guys. Matter of fact, when I I'm done recording this. I have another one I have to respond to. Uh, somebody was talking about an issue with their daughter, and there's a lot of gender confusion that's going on. It breaks my heart, but we're here to study God's Word, and as we reflect on God's Word, as it convicts our hearts, as we turn to the Lord, 
God will address certain things. And I want you guys to know that here at Stand Strong in the Word Podcast, we're here for you guys as best we can. So if you have a question, maybe a question about the Bible, something we've read or something you're reading, you fell upon something, info at standstrongministries.org is the email that you can drop your question or your prayer request. And we would be happy to pray for you and to answer your question. So you can go to the website, all the information is there, standstrongministries.org. But I also want to draw your attention to uh, something that came out October 27th. And that is my latest book here, uh, No Topic Should Be Off Limits. And Challenging Conversations, and the subtitle is A Practical Guide to Discuss Controversial Topics in the Church. I deal, and I break these up in three categories. So there's nine topics, controversial ones, that is, that I address. And they're broken up in three parts. The first part, I deal with mental illness. And then we focus in on issues that are related to substance abuse and porn. And then the second um, chapter part of the book, we deal with issues related to uh, premarital sex. We deal with divorce and remarriage, LGBT issues. And then the final section of the book, I deal with abortion, politics, and racism. But what I do in the book is I teach you, my friend, how to be a conversant Christian, not an avoider, not an aggressor, but an advocate of God's truth who's willing to speak the truth in love to someone, no matter how difficult it is, because you trust the Lord. You love God and you love this person and you want to be an advocate for them. And so it's a great book that we're getting such great feedback to really help improve our relationships and build stronger community among Christians instead of letting issues divide us when it comes to issues, again, politically or on race, uh, even abortion. So get your copy of the book. Um, It is going to be something I believe that's really going to help you. Um, And it's going to, I think, really challenge you to evaluate where you're at in your relationship with Christ, but also with people around you. You know, like, think about it. How do you respond usually when somebody starts mentioning a particular topic that uh, is taboo, right? Do you feel comfortable talking to somebody about mental illness? Do you feel comfortable talking about porn and substance addiction in the church? Do you, is church a place to talk about it? Is it appropriate to have those kind of conversations? So I hope that the book uh, will bless you. So go to Amazon, other places where books are sold, get your copy of Challenging Conversations. And matter of fact, we also have a website called challengingconversations.org, free videos, free study guide available for you. So with that being said, you guys, let's dive into here, podcast 137 and Acts chapter 24, where Paul is on trial. And the first thing we see here in verses one through nine is the case is made against Paul. And that's where we pick things up here. It says, and after five days, the high priest, that is Ananias, came down with some elders and his spokesman, one was uh, Tertullus, and they laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had summoned Tertullus, they began to accuse him, saying, since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent uh, Felix, reforms are being made for this nation. In every way and everywhere we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him 
By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. All right, so here we see in verses 1 through 9, what's happening at this point. Remember, the, Jesus was accused by his fellow brethren. Remember, they even abandoned him. And the Jews wanted to get rid of Jesus, but they couldn't execute him on their own, so they had to go to Pontius Pilate. And it's interesting because throughout, since Acts chapter 22, that is, to now in Acts chapter 24, Paul is being accused by the Jews. He's being treated the same way, if you will, that Jesus was. Now, he was going to be scourged, but because he was a Roman citizen, remember, that's something Jesus didn't have. Paul uses that to, to his advantage. And now, when he appeals to Caesar, he is now before Felix. And so what the Sanhedrin does, they hire an attorney. And the attorney's name here is Tertullus. And he's familiar with both Roman and Jewish law. So they hire like uh, a, a really A-rated attorney to deal with Paul before Felix. Now, here it says the most excellent Felix. This is Marcus Antonius Felix. He ruled from eighty fifty two to eighty fifty nine, and so Tertullus he appeals to Felix as a great and honorable ruler. So you know, it's like he's a suck up. Notice how he responds to him. Um, however, that was just not the case, though. By the way, of Felix, he was not an honorable ruler. The guy was detestable. And not only that, but Tertullus is also detestable in what he does and what he accuses Paul of. Because notice he falsely here in verses 4 through 8, he falsely portrays Paul as a Nazarite who is a disturber of the peace just like Jesus. Now, this is what he does against Paul. And this is important. Because this is like a, these are like constant attacks that Paul's having to go through repeatedly with the Jews. They, number one, they attack him on sedition. So there's political treason here that they're trying to use against Paul, which would be more favorable with a Roman siding with the Jews. Number two, Tertullus, again, uh, says that he's in association with a violent sect which is heretical. So he got a political charge. He has the heretical charge to get the Jews to continue to keep the tension on Paul, citing all of these things against him so that they can convict him. And three is the desecration. So you have political, heretical, and the desecration of the temple. Now, obviously, all three of these things are completely and totally false. Paul didn't do any one of these things. And we're told in verse 9 that the Jews joined in the charge. So they're relentless. It doesn't matter what Paul has done, who he serves, how honorable he has been. They don't care. The Jews had no concrete evidence to back up their claims. They're just accusations. So what do they do? They relied on, on their high status to convince Felix to side with them. And that's, that's true if you think about it. I mean, if you think about how often in the justice system you have people who show partiality, that's, tr that's truly not justice. And, and again, this constantly is the case with Paul. P 
people constantly are saying things that are false about him. Think about if, if at work someone says something false about you, yeah, it may call into question your character. It may even call into question if, in fact, you did it, are you trustworthy? But let's say it's just a one-and-done one incident. But imagine Paul just constantly being attacked by the Jewish people who, he's, who he is called to serve, who God has called him to share the gospel with. But they're affirming these things knowing that they're false. And have you ever been in a situation like that? Where you know the person who's accusing you of something knows it to be false. And that's exactly what was happening here with, with Paul. So let's look at the second thing now in verses 23, in chapter 23, verses 10 through 23. And the, the second part here is Paul gives a defense to silence his accusers. So now it says here, and when the governor had nodded to him to speak, Paul re replied, knowing that for many years you have been a judge over this nation, I cheerfully make my defense. You can verify that it not more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. And they did not find me disputing with anyone or stirring up a crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or in the city. Neither can they prove to you what they now bring up against me. But this I confess to you, that according to the way, which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So I also take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. Now, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to, and to present offerings. Verse 18, while I was doing this, they found me purified in the temple without any crowd or tumult. But some Jews from Asia, they ought to be here before you and to make an accusation, should they have anything against me, or else let these men themselves say what wrongdoing they found when I stood before the council. Other than this one thing that I cried out while standing among them, it is with respect to the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you this day. But Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off saying, when Lysias the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. Then he gave orders to the centurion that he should be kept in custody, but have some liberty and that none of his friends should be prevented from attending to his needs. So Paul, in response to Tertullus, and again, going back to if you've ever been accused, you don't attack or become accusatory yourself. That's not what Paul does here. And so again, as a Christian man filled with the Holy Spirit, who is being constantly attacked and ridiculed and maligned, and they're setting up a false case against him, dragging him through all of this mess. And you, you just think of that, the, the urgency that Paul had thinking, I have to continue to contend with these people. I want to be out there defending the faith. I want to be out there teaching people about the kingdom of God. I want, I want to be out there searching the scriptures with the Jews and expounding on the truth of Jesus Christ prophetically and showing how Christ the Messiah fulfilled prophecy. And yet he stuck with these guys because they continue to make his life miserable. I mean, just think of the endurance that Paul hears, Paul has here. 
And so notice here, beginning in verse 10, where Paul gives a defense to silence his accusers, it's not just about proving his innocence. And I love this about Paul, you guys. And I, I think one of the big ideas that we are to take from the standpoint of what Paul was going through here in Acts 24 is, it's not just defending yourself, proving that you're right, that you're not guilty, that you didn't do whatever someone's accusing you of doing. It's saying, okay, Lord, my character is, is under attack. And this is an opportunity, not just to prove my innocence, but to provide proof that Jesus, in this case, is proven that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. What we would say in modern times in the West is that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is God, that he's the God-man. And so Paul takes this as an opportunity not just to prove his innocence, but he refutes the accusation. Again, what are the three charges? Political one, heretical one, and desecration. And so Paul here in verses um, 11 through 13, he refutes the accusation of sedition. And notice what he does. He says, I'd only been in Jerusalem for only 12 days. So if you, if you guys think that within less than two weeks, I was able to cause an uproar with these people, that's hardly enough time to produce a riot of great magnitude. That's hardly enough time to incite a revolution to overthrow the Roman rule, okay, that resides over our people. Paul says he spent five days in Caesarea and the remaining was seven days in Jerusalem. So in the heart of Jerusalem, he'd been there but a week. So hardly enough time to create the type of tension that the Jews and the Romans were both experiencing. And then in verses 14 through 15, Paul argues that the way that is, you know, i.e. Christianity, he says, is rooted in Jerusalem. So I'm not teaching things that are contrary to Judaism as a whole. What he's doing here was showing that I've never undermined the law. But instead, what he says is, he says, I, I've looked to the hope of the resurrection. You know what? That's actually a foreshadowing of something that Job had said in Job chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. It's also what Daniel said in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. And so here in verse 16, where he says, so I, I always take pains to have a clear conscience toward both God and man. So Paul not only refutes the false charges brought against him, but he also points to his character as a factor of innocence. And so you wonder, is that true of you? If, if somebody attacks you, can you actually use your character to defend your innocence? Meaning, you have to be somebody who's trustworthy. Yeah, you know that. Yeah, that doesn't really sound like so and so. They wouldn't do that. I know that person, and so when they told me they didn't do it, and I have to believe in them and who they are, I, I tend to side with them. That's what Paul's doing here. He refutes these false charges. And he's saying, look, this does not reflect the character, the kind of man that I am. You have to factor in the innocence. Go talk to my colleagues. And notice a lot of times we do that when we interview a lot of people to, to make sure that the person is who they say they are. And then in verse 17, after several years, I came to bring alms to my nation and to present offerings. So Paul, what he's referring to here, and this is what he's saying, I'm helping grow the way. I'm not trying to cause sedition. 
I'm not trying to teach things that are heretical. I'm giving of my time, my service. And he's referring to the gifts that were collected, remember, for the Gentile churches. And you see that in Romans chapter 15, verses 25 through 27, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. And then we have two whole chapters in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 that talk about how as the church is growing, not just among the Jews, but also the Gentiles, that they were giving of themselves or giving alms to support the work that God was doing in other churches. And then here in verses 18 and following to verse 21, in response now to the third accusation, which remember was desecration, that he was desecrating the temple, which is, again, was false. He was committing a Nazarite vow. He's fulfilling a Nazarite vow according to Numbers chapter 6. And so here he was actually following the law, not causing a disturbance. But, but here Paul, he's pointing out to his accusers. Remember, these were Jews from Asia. They're not, even, they're not even present to defend their case against Paul that they made. They just hired this guy, Tertullus, just to, to tell Felix what he wants to hear. And again, just sent these other Jews who are lock and, lock and step just saying, this is what we need to incite. This is what we need to just you know stick together. Here's our script so we can get Paul convicted of whatever cries, uh, crimes that we can get to stick. They had no eyewitnesses. And so the charges against Paul, they could not be corroborated. So again, this case is over. Now, not to mention the charges had more to do with Jewish law than Roman law. Now, you know Tertullus knows this, but again, he's being paid by his own people. So he's just doing the job he's told to do. That's not justice. That shows you partiality. There's no corroboration. There's no eyewitnesses who even made the effort to be there. They just felt like we got in the bag. We, we're, in, we're in line with Felix and he's going to follow along with us and we're going to sweep it on the rug because this is what we do. And you think if you're an American right now and you're seeing what's happening in our country, this is where a lot of us are scared right now. We're scared of this exact kind of stuff happening. Now we're looking at Acts chapter 24. Don't think that this is far removed from our, the freedoms, of course, that we've been experiencing for over 240 plus years, but it seems like year after year, election after election, our freedoms uh, seem to be kicked to the curb. And so here we're now told in verse 22, Felix, it says, who was, who had an accurate knowledge of the way. Now pause and think about this. That doesn't mean he's a Christian. I, I experienced this, I remember firsthand, my first year at the University of Arizona, I had a philosophy professor. No, Matt, no, I take that back. This actually was at a different school. I think it was like my first or second semester. And it was, I remember it was a philosophy class. It wasn't at U of A. And the professor just broke down Christianity. It's part of our class. We're teaching on Renaissance stuff. With, with philosophy and he was going through like the Romans road talking about sin and salvation and through Christ and Christ fulfilled prophecy. And on the third day he rose from the dead. He's telling us. And I was like, I didn't know this guy was a Christian based on everything he said. So I went up to him afterwards and I asked him, I said, Hey, professor so-and-so, are you a Christian? He's like, no, what gave you that idea? I was like, Oh, I felt like an idiot. And he says, well, I've studied it. I, I mean, and, and again, at that time, everything that he did say, I felt it was really dead on. 
And that was the point. How can someone have such an accurate understanding of Christianity and yet not be a Christian? So here with Felix, he has an accurate knowledge of the way. And so he hears what is being presented against Paul. And he's, he's given an opportunity for Paul to be heard. Now, it's interesting here because Felix's third wife was Drusilla. She was actually a Jew and the daughter of Herod Agrippa I. Now, remember, that, that was the great niece uh, that, that is here with Drusilla. She's the great niece of Herod who killed John the Baptist. So this is the audience that Paul's going to present his case before. This is, I mean, it doesn't get any worse than this. The people that had John the Baptist killed are now the people, again, in relation, that is, who are going to hear his case. Now, remember, King Agrippa II may have been the one who um, educated him on Judaism and Christianity. So that's how Felix has such a, an accurate knowledge, we're told by Luke, of Christianity, possibly coming from King Agrippa II. So again, there are going to be people, you guys, as we see here in Scripture and in life in general, there are going to be people who um, know a lot about the Bible or maybe grew up in the church. I know friends, you guys, I mean, they're not close, close friends, but friends who went to seminary, were a pastor, and now they're an agnostic. They're a secularist. They, they say they hold no religion, even though a form of their secular humanism is a religion. But the point is, is that they're not practicing Christians any longer. But they know a lot of the Bible, and some, some, and some, some of them know uh, portions of the Bible better than I do. But that does not mean, yes, that they're bona fide Christians. So how do you address these kind of people? Well, we're going to see that in the next few podcasts when Paul is going to present the case of Christianity in front of Felix. But here, when he says that he will decide your case later by keeping Paul detained, so think about this, again, going back to all the corruption that we've been talking about. By keeping Paul detained, again, no cooperation. The eyewitnesses were not there. He knows that the Jews are making a, a false, these false claims against him. So there was no proof of guilt at all. But by keeping Paul detained, Paul uh, Felix was attempting to appease the Jews. And maybe perhaps also hoping that what Paul was going to do through his companions, through the connections that Paul had, they would pay Felix off. They would bribe him with money. Now, either he would take the money and let Paul go, or he would use the bribery to then prosecute Paul, even though he was in prison for things that he did not do. So this continues now in chapter 24, beginning in verse 24 through 27, where Felix comes to hear Paul teach God's truth. He says, after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, as I mentioned before, and he sent for Paul and heard him speak about faith in Jesus Christ. And as he reasoned about righteousness and self-control in the coming judgment, Felix was alarmed and said, go away for the, for the present. When I get an opportunity, I will summon you. At the same time, he um, hoped that money would be given him by Paul. So he sent for him after, or often he would, and converse with Paul. When two years had elapsed, Felix had succeeded, Felix was succeeded by 
Porcius Festus, and desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. So Felix had uh, stolen, if you go back to the relationship, he stole, he stole uh, Drusilla from the kings of Amisa and, and Syria. And it says here, when it says that he heard him speak, so when Felix would meet with Paul, probably to learn more about Christianity, and as Luke says here, he wanted some type of bribery, uh, maybe to let him go. But for some reason, Felix was disturbed. And I've had this with some people sometimes. Imagine this high-powered government of, uh, Roman official who is hearing Christianity, spending face-to-face time with Paul, this corrupt, sinful man. And yet, even afterwards, he'd get disturbed by hearing what Paul taught. Now, Herod Antipas, remember, he felt the same way. Isn't this ironic? Herod Antipas would oftentimes, you know, spend one-on-one time with, with John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 10. But then later, he's beheaded. So, it's just, it's ironic, you guys, where, where some people are at, right? Where they hear a little bit about Christianity, and then they get, they get offended. Or they'll use it against you. You don't know if, is God moving in their heart? Is, is the Holy Spirit stirring in their heart is he drawing and i do i believe no matter the case god is still trying to draw those people john 6 44 to himself but pride and sin and arrogance remember anything that we do outside of god we don't worship god we will worship something so in that worldview we will be idolizing something and that's false worship and so ultimately whether it be felix here or back then with uh, herod antipas listening to John the Baptist, they probably just worshiped themselves. And some of these guys, as we know back then, saw themselves as a God. And so they looked at the way, they looked at Christians like Paul here, that they were nuts because they only worshiped one God. They only believed in one true God when many of them were polytheists. So we don't know all the ins and outs, but at the end of the day, from where Luke left it in Acts, it doesn't seem like obviously Felix came to saving faith. And so Felix clearly knew that Paul was innocent though. There's no question. But the fact that he kept him under house arrest in hopes of receiving money shows that he didn't care about Paul in the end. And he didn't care about justice. For two years, think about that. Even though the conditions for Paul were, were better than most, that doesn't give a right for them to just keep him under house arrest. And it's likely here that Luke recorded much of the book of Acts during these two years, by the way. So this is an, an important time again. And that's the other thing, you guys, is just a hidden lesson here. Things may happen a certain way. As I'm recording this, we're going through COVID. Nobody expected this to happen. And, and then when it came upon us in the early year of 2020, no one thought that it was going to go through the entire year. And then some, I mean, I don't know what the future holds going into 2021 as I'm recording this. But the reality is God can use whatever situations you and I face in life. And God was certainly going to use those two years. They were not going to be wasted time. For, for Luke, God was going to raise him up to continue to develop and write the book of Acts. And then we're told here at the very end of chapter 24 that Felix is eventually succeeded by Porcius Festus. So in AD 59, so remember Felix ruled from AD 52 to 59. We're told in outside resources, that's extra biblical sources, that Felix was summoned to Rome after receiving multiple complaints 
from the Jews about his poor and corrupt leadership. Again, this speaks to not just the impartiality, or excuse me, the partiality, but the sensuality and the carnality of leaders like Festus and Felix. Now, Festus replaces Felix, but dies two years in office in AD 62, so he doesn't last himself. So these are the people that Paul is having to deal with. And it's just, a, it's just a reminder, you guys, as we just, again, it's just kind of a short chapter, but I just want us to, to, to fixate for a moment on, just think about the, how draining this would have been, how frustrated you and I would have been if you are locked up for something you didn't do. Now, perhaps maybe you listening, that has been your story. You know, maybe you um, have been mistreated. Maybe you have dealt um, with something similar to this. Uh, there, I've encountered many missionaries through the through the years who who were arrested because they were a Christian. Now they they threw dirt on them, you know, to lock them up, to give them reason to to be in prison or to be in jail to serve time. But it's false. But yet, talking to some of these missionaries, God refined them. God used them during this time. So it's it's pretty amazing, you guys, when you see the strength and the endurance, the wisdom, the stature the stability that Paul had, even in the midst of being not just accused, but going through a form of persecution. So my friends, that's where we're going to leave it today here on podcast on the podcast today, podcast 137, when we looked at Acts chapter 24. So if you've never subscribed, if you're watching this video, man, I would love for you to hit that like button so you can get notifications um, as well when you hit that bell. And we will definitely continue to keep in touch with all the videos that we're doing on our YouTube. And if you're listening to this podcast and you've never checked out our YouTube channel, you can find me at Jason P, that is for Philip, Jason P Jimenez on YouTube, where we have in our playlist, Stand Strong in the Word podcast videos. And again, if you're watching, but you've never listened to the audio, Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find Stand Strong in the Word podcast and search for my name as well, Jason Jimenez. And so we love your guys' support. So every time you listen, always hit that like button. Send this to your friends so they can continue to study the Word like you and I are doing right now. So I appreciate you guys listening. And until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. For more information on Jason Jimenez and Stand Strong Ministries, visit us at standstrongministries.org. Thank you for listening, and keep standing strong in the Word of God.